Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Sean's Wildlife Podcast. I am really happy to finally be talking to someone I know on social media for quite some time as Lucy Lapwing. Her real name is Lucy Hodson and she's a naturalist, conservationist, a brilliant wildlife communicator in my opinion and a pretty talented photographer as well. So thanks for coming on Lucy. Oh thanks so much for having me. Yeah it's great to uh, finally talk in in kind of person, yes, we're uh, remotely person. communicating <laughs> through our newfound technology skills in coronavirus lockdown, aren't we? Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, how are you coping with it, being stuck indoors most of the time? Um, it's been obviously interesting, um, some new coping skills found, um, yeah. but not too bad. Um, I don't know, relatively kind of morbidly positive. Is that allowed to be said? <laughs> That's allowed to be said, yeah, I'm kind of the same. I have um, uh, one or two days where I'm just frustrated with the world but uh making the most of it most of the time yeah yeah I mean you get kind of cooped up and you get cabin fever and you get a little bit dizzy and frustrated but at the same time it's finding new ways to entertain yourself and yeah yeah and I see from your uh from your social media you're doing a lot of um wildlife spotting from your garden aren't you yes try my best (laughs) standing Um, on walls and things yeah I mean I've not lived in this house for so long and the garden's in much need of a a wildlife overhaul um right I've got only a patio and decking at the moment because the patio's laid on top of concrete it's a bit of a hellhole so um, okay but it's nice we've got some little ivy bits at the bottom and um, set up bird feeders obviously but yeah trying to just see as many birds as I can or hear as many birds as I can from my house and garden it's been a good yeah time. you've set a, a challenge didn't you a while back yes um, to kind of get people doing the same yeah I've been absolutely trounced by most people in the country I think people have got <laughs> I don't know woods of 70 species from the garden list so really yeah um you know lucky people have seen things like ospreys flying over and white-tailed wow. eagles and all sorts and I get wood pigeons <laughs> Yeah, I haven't done too bad. I've got a little tiny, you know, uh, two meter by four meter balcony, maybe. And if I can count things that I see flying over, I'm not doing too badly. Yeah, peregrine yeah. falcons occasionally. Ah, nice. Yeah, yet to get yeah, that. Yeah. Very nice. London peregrines. There's quite a few about now. <laughs> um, you're obviously a, a total wildlife nut, like I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where did it come from, or how? You know, has it been since a very early age? Uh, yes, it has. And I find that when you do meet wildlife enthusiasts, a large number of them say that it's been from a young age. But I think yeah. flipping that on its head, I think if you take any kid and ask a kid when they're a kid, do you like wildlife? They all say yes. It's just often lost along the way. Yeah. Um, so I've just had that that pure childhood fascination and obsession with anything living when I was a kid. Um, and yeah. I had free roam as well, like relatively within reason I could go quite a distance from my house and I was looking that my parents were quite relaxed and um you know I'd spend all of the weekends and the school holidays um just running around you know out in nature yeah like I had two states of footwear so I was either barefoot or wellies with no socks and there was no in between <laughs> so yeah. um, did you grow up in the countryside or yeah yeah in a large village in Lancashire um right. so my back garden backed onto cow fields um full of ponds full of squishy newts and frogs and 
frogs born yeah. and butterflies and there's a river at the bottom of the field as well and yeah it was really nice sounds good yeah I was similar for until I was about 12 I think and then we moved to Dublin so. oh nice um, you know, then we had to get a garden pond. That was the promise. If we were, you know, if my dad yes. was upheaving the whole family, I was like, well, we have to have a pond in the next garden. <laughs> and ponds are um, good forms. I got my way. <laughs> but we were, um, we were pretty deprived of some of the uh, the reptile and amphibian biodiversity you have here in yeah. Ireland. We just have frogs, no toads. Well, natterjack toads. Um, only one newt, smooth newt, and no snakes because St Patrick banished them. Of course, according to myth and legend. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah we won't go there um so at the moment um or for the last few years you work in conservation as well don't you for one of the large organizations yes yeah so um I've worn many hats um working for the same organization but yeah working in conservation um I remember discovering that there was such a job as conservation when I was a a teenager I didn't think it was a thing that you could do things that like David Attenborough did um and yeah pursuing that through my education and then um I always saw myself as having to go into the practical stuff because that's just the only limited stuff that you hear about is you know creating habitat, habitat and, management yeah. and things yeah yeah um, and it was only until I started kind of looking into the the job industry that you see that there's a lot of people-based skills um and, people-based roles, yeah. and that's kind of what I've done so a bit of yeah. event management a bit of visitor engagement good old bit of membership recruitment <laughs> um, oh yeah but I've now honed it down into comms, which is my passion. So just basically taking, I just really enjoy taking like complex wildlife, nature, ecological concepts and just translating them into human speak and making it yeah. less scary. Cause I think nature's scary to a lot of people. So, yeah, I think growing up, a lot of people either aren't interested in it or aren't exposed to it at the right age, like us. So yes. like some kind of really simple things or really, um, kind of simple rules of ecology or how the world works yes. to us that seem obvious um people haven't heard of or just don't understand right yeah exactly um, um so yeah from your from your social media it's pretty clear like it's great the way you um you do kind of make stories out of out of things and, yeah. and quite entertaining um content that that does engage people it seems to have oh, a, a really good effect okay yeah. thank you <laughs> and you've worked with uh, you you're quite passionate about working with young people as well don't you volunteer um for um is it the youth arm of some conservation body or um I volunteer with a number of hats on and um yeah yeah and uh, yeah I'm really passionate about working with young people because I see so much disconnect between them and our natural world yeah and it's kind of just been this generational kind of chipping away in our connection with nature and it's become this you know, it's so much of our natural world is depleted that we don't actually encounter it that often. And then when we do, because it's unfamiliar, people are scared of things. And that yeah. sounds, you don't want it to sound patronising, but a large number of people that I interact with on a daily basis will be terrified of insects, will be, you know, afraid if something buzzes past. You yeah. know, oh, what is it? What is it? Um, whereas it, it doesn't have to be like that. And if you understand what you're looking at, if you're introduced to it from an early age you understand it and you learn about it it takes that fear factor out and sparks fascination instead that's um, it and kids are rarely naturally scared of something god no like no that. they just copy what mum and dad do yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've um chastised my sister many times for rubbing off her fear of spiders and woodlice on her daughter i'm yeah. like they're harmless leave them alone yes exactly and then you know if you spend fine. long enough with a kid who's afraid they'll, they'll come around if you show them yeah absolutely <laughs> um 
you mentioned there about like the kind of disconnect I think it is really important um you know and kind of growing up you and I you know were absolutely out and immersed in nature and learning about things by observing and then I presume you were the same as me reading lots of like nature books and ID guides until you got home but I think yeah go on I'm sorry I was just gonna say I don't really I've not had a wildlife knowledge from a young age past you know an average amount um yeah I'm not from the most wildlifey family my parents and family are great and a lot of my my mum was very inventive with our spare time so she'd find she'd take us to places for walks all the time so it was always outdoor based fun at the weekend we'd yeah. go to the nature reserve we'd go to you know the beach we'd go to Formby um Formby Woods um oh I was there yeah the they're Red great Squirrel. yeah they're cool. Yeah. um but I was always kind of the wildlife nut side of it um brother and sister not so much but um so I was lucky enough then that I was outside but I didn't have a person when I was a kid who had that wildlife knowledge that I think a lot of naturalists okay. do I was kind of behind in starting off my nature knowledge yeah Um, yeah and um young people like today I think just we're in such a like technological world aren't we constantly like in front of the screen playing games um indoors things like that um I interviewed Mary Colwell who's uh, known for her curlew conservation yes yes campaigning um for series one of the podcast and she's been campaigning for quite a long time to bring in a natural history GCSE oh, in this country. It's just brilliant. Yes. It'd be so good, wouldn't it? <laughs> Could not vote for it harder. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> three three thumbs up. Yeah, I mean, if I could have done that, it would have just been, it would have just been so, um, what's the word? Like confidence boosting because, yeah. you know, I've come around to be a bit more confident in myself now. I'm still obviously plagued with insecurities all the time, but um yeah you know as a kid I was a nerd you know I didn't fit necessarily fit in socially I'd play by myself in the corner of the playground with like an anthill <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember just being mortified by you know anybody people just knew me as the animal girl and um, Did they? I remember so it was a subject that like was yours basically yeah it, which you know, really I could, boosted your confidence and things I could hold my own in it but I was I yeah. still take you know people take the mick out of me a lot and I remember um one summer holiday getting into bed watching and my mum told my teacher and my teacher said it in front of the entire class and I just and wanted to die in my seat and I must have only been like eight or nine I was like no. but why yeah. is it so embarrassing but yeah like if if you had something like a natural history GCSE to back up the fact that what you believe in and what you're interested in is legitimate and important I be, and important I think it would be excellent for young naturalists Absolutely. I think I, um, yeah, lost my way a bit when I got to my teenage years and it was oh, yeah. more important to be cool exactly. than to be, you know, going out with my dad with binoculars at the weekend, yeah. <laughs> watching birds. Um, yeah, feeling you on that one for sure. <laughs> um, one of the, the uh, ways we started chatting more recently is that um, both of us are involved in Nina Constable's new uh, little wildlife series online during lockdown. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I was chuffed to bits when Nina asked me to do a little bit for that. So she had this wonderful idea Nina's just a great wildlife filmmaker and she's just got a really keen eye for a really like Her nice story she's it? just beautiful yeah and yeah. um yeah she just had an idea for you know during this time now we're in lockdown and everyone's just kind of um there's definitely a surge for people appreciating nature more on the doorstep um and yeah. then also having to find these new ways to entertain ourselves um so she kind of put the two together and um came up with this idea for a series of exploring the wildlife that's on your doorstep 
and getting a few different people of kind of the online nature community each week and having people do little bits on their patch and their passion and it's really good yeah so it's called wild world doorstep discoveries it's out every sunday at the moment isn't it yes indefinitely i think yes God knows how <laughs> until, <we'll> go on. <laughs> uh, until circumstances change maybe Mm. um and you are the bird song expert so I'm really <laughs> interested to talk to you about this I not say because... expert but okay <laughs> no you're you are you are well you're the expert in residence for this series right <laughs> um I went out two weeks ago yesterday obviously was it's made the fourth now when we're recording this podcast yesterday was international dawn chorus day so yes um I hope that you were up at you know half four in the morning Lucy yesterday were you I was Yes. Oh, you were? Damn it. I was hoping to catch you out there. <laughs> yeah, I got put half four on the dot and then I cycled uh, to a local nature patch, about 15, 20 minute cycle and just sat and um, yeah, it was just yeah. divine. Actually, I did guess some of your um, your ID challenges. Oh, good. Some Excellent. little scratchy warblers. I guess yes. one was a sedge warbler. I don't know. If yeah, that's correct. you were correct. Well done. Excellent. <laughs> a sedge war- warbler and a chiff chap yeah. in the question you asked. You know, a lot Great. of people didn't get that. So well done. Yeah, really good. Thanks. I went out two weeks ago um, because we were meant to have, with Healing Wildlife Group, we do an annual dog chorus walk. Yes. And obviously it was cancelled, but I said I would use my daily exercise to do it. And I did it through Facebook Live. Yes. Um, on a Saturday morning. And it went really well, actually. Yeah. Um, so if, uh, it's coming up in another episode of this podcast, the recording of it as well. Oh, fab. Um, so uh yeah so what are your when did you start learning birdsong because it, it can be quite tricky and it can be definitely like overwhelming for people yes. to try and pick apart all these birds that are singing and totally sound the same when um, you start it's daunting and it's hard and I want to give people hope because I only started learning when I was 22 I'm 29 okay. now um, yeah so I only started learning as an adult um and it was in my first job in conservation and I worked on a nature reserve um, yeah. as a visitor officer. And my boss there was this, he's this brilliant man, this brilliant naturalist, but he's very well known for just being a little bit mad and um, in a brilliant way. <laughs> yeah, um, often, often the, the best nature yeah. folks are. And he'd just like throw you in at the nature deep end. He was not afraid to test you and push you in any way. And within my first day, he was marching me around. It was this ancient woodland nature reserve marching me around this nature reserve going what's that what's that and I was like I have not got a bloody clue it's a um, bird <laughs> yeah it's like oh. um but he had just this wonderful way in describing a certain few bird songs and although mm. I never could get to the level at that point of picking out the star species of that reserve and with it being woodland it was um pied flycatcher and red star um oh, nice. yeah lovely um I started to pick up the first few and the first one the first bird song I ever learned was the wren and yeah. that was because he was the one who gave me that description of the wind-up toy and you put it down yeah. and it rattles and loses control. Um, and it just That's clicked. Brilliant, and yeah. I was like, and then I, I remember him going, him going, there's the red star. And there's the red star. And I was like, it all just sounds the same. <laughs> I like, just wanted yeah. to cry. Um, Especially in a woodland where it's kind of crowded. Yeah, and, you know, and, and it was April as well. Time. So it was just, yeah. yeah. Um, but then it was just sticking at it bit by bit. Um, I never really made a conscious effort in just sitting down and like having a session and learning them all it was um what helped me was having an app in my phone yeah going out in the field watching a bird watching it make the sound listening to it in the app as it was playing to compare it and just being like okay um but also just yeah you connect. learn them one by one don't you yeah and you filter out the more common ones so start with the easy ones the common birds 
yeah. get them down and then you can just completely switch your ears off and you don't need to listen to them anymore and you can filter out the new stuff. Um, yeah, definitely. And like, it's still a journey. I'm very much on, like I've learned several new ones just this year and every year you have to relearn some of the slightly less common ones just to get you. I was going to say, I um, think where the hell is this knowledge gone every spring when they start up again, like, and I kind of go, I know I know that one, but yeah. I can't remember what it's it like is. Rusty, yeah. And you sort of have to do a refresher every spring when they're really going for it, don't you? Definitely, yeah. Which I do anyway. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's just it's so doable. And the thing that's made the biggest difference to me is is the people that you connect with. If you really mm. put yourself out there, there's so many wonderful naturalists that have got time and energy and passion and want to share their knowledge with you. And yeah. if you're willing to put in the time to them, like I worked on another nature reserve after the first one. And it had such a great big team of volunteers. And, you know, if you just ask, just be a bit cheeky. Like, they're doing a breeding bird survey. You say, oh, can I come along? They're chuffed a bit. And they'll sit and take the time. And, you know, they taught me things like like the willow warbler and the the chaffinch and whitethroat. And, um, yeah, just developing it more and more. And and then, obviously, you get into – your brain's like a a muscle, isn't it? You get into the exercise of learning and you – you start to teach yourself the ways in which you can pick stuff out and how you learn best. And it just yeah, and learning is quite a specific, like, um, and difficult process. Yeah. You know what I mean? But once you get, once you train your brain into that, then you can start to pick about pick apart. And there's the, ones, there's, there's one ones that sounds different, or yeah, and there's ones that you think you'll never learn, and then you'll just suddenly. Like I remember last year, I was like, "How can anyone tell the difference between a reed warbler and a sedge warbler?" And this year, I'm like because uh, my brain's just yeah. got it it's really hard yeah it is but your brain yeah. just gets it and well, one thing that helped me last year I was doing surveys out um in an area of Sherwood Forest and I set um a tree pipit as my ringtone and a red star as my text tone so every time I throw it off <laughs> and honestly, that's a brilliant idea it works wonders and if you set another one as your alarm when you get up in the morning it's like okay and I'll be out in the woods now and I'm like red star tree pipit yes so. And then you're getting like, you know, <laughs> I was thinking of like when I was on call as a vet, my pager alarm being a, being a bird, but I'm like, I don't want to ruin a bird for yeah, you know, true. panic and anxiety. So yeah, yeah I have to be cur- careful what you said. It I've is. got a, cur- a curly with my alarm at the mo- morning. Um, Do you? Oh my God, you must hate curlews now. I don't know. It's not got on my nerves yet, but we'll see. All right. <laughs> that would fill me with dread whenever I heard a curlew from now yeah. on. <laughs> you need to be careful. Um, what I love about your, your bird song series um it can be difficult, can't it, if you like, if you know something. And this, I think, is your talent in being a, a good communicator and making a job of that. It can be difficult to kind of translate something that you understand really well and is quite an abstract concept into something that other people will understand. Yeah. But what I love about your descriptions when you're talking about birdsong is it's def- definitely the way that I learned birdsong as well. So yes. I learned th- mainly through my dad, who was quite interested in birds growing up just birds really um a little bit of kind of you know quite outdoorsy and everything but he was interested in birds because his his dad was interested in birds yeah and they both kind of taught me phrases and um very kind of everyday language ways to remember yeah. a bird song so you know the yellow hammer said a little bit of bread and no cheese <laughs> yes and um you know um a chaffinch call was pink 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 you know things like this or um jangly keys for a dunnock um, yes. which i think is a description for something else as well but 
and those kind of things that stick in your head and you can kind of visualize what the bird is doing like you've described the wren is like a little wind-up toy going out of control and bouncing off things but yes um i've i think someone gave me it might have been my dad when i was home um a few years ago a cd of bird sounds and i um, had a CD player in my battered old car at the time and I put it in <laughs> when I was driving in spring just to see if I could refresh my memory and learn a few new ones mm. but the weakness in it was the guy who was narrating the CD obviously was you know musical quite scientific and quite dry and he was talking about you know a descending series of sibilant sounds and, yes, and I was no. just like this is a foreign language to me yeah. I have no idea what a sibilant sound no it means. never sticks it's for me that. not working I yeah. can't kind of I can't get that in my brain yeah. but it's those kind of little colloquialisms and um interesting kind of depictions of what the bird is saying or doing that really really Definitely, do it for me yeah yeah um, like even when reading a bird song description in a book there is a yeah. way that you can learn how to read that I believe to make more sense is there yeah they but fall like, just when know, it's like tt tis tis whip 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 tis, i'm like tis, what does tis, that tis. <laughs> yeah i know i know um yeah there's definitely styles of learning i'm loving yours so well done oh, on thank that. you <laughs> if any of the listeners um want to have a look at it i presume you have like highlighted stories on your um instagram and things yeah i've put it i've put it on my instagram tv um, great but it is highlighted yeah You'll find it. And you're Lucy Lapwing <laughs> on Instagram, right? Yes. Yeah. Real. And Twitter, I think. Yes. Although I'm not as good at Twitter. But right. yeah. <laughs> why did you, there's a, there's a question, random one. Why, why Lucy Lapwing? <laughs> Everybody bird, asks just, me this. You wanted alliteration. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I was a kid, um, do you remember, did you learn the alphabet with Alphabet Land? So like no. Annie Apple, Bouncy Ben. No. Oh, okay. So when I was a kid, we learned the alphabet with Letterland, and it was every alphabet letter had a character, and the Lucy one was called Lucy Lamp Lady. I don't know why, but it was like a lady okay. in a yellow dress with like a lamp on her head. It was dead weird. And yeah. um, when I first got Instagram, that was just my personal, I'm a young person in my 20s getting drunk, his photos of my nights out thing. Um, yeah. My name was just Lucy Lamp Lady. And then when I started naturing, it, I was like, I need to make this more naturey. So at first, it was going to be Lapwing. Lacerta, which is the Latin name for lizard, but I was like, that's too obscure. That's super geeky. Yeah, that's yeah. not accessible to so everyone. Right, right. <laughs> and it's just stayed as that. Cool. Well, <laughs> it I do works. You've, you've, uh, you've developed a good brand there. <laughs> um, now, we touched at the start on how you're coping with lockdown. Obviously, your entire um, job, obviously, some of it's office space, but it's about being outdoors and being in nature and stuff. So, it's kind of a tricky time for people now at this point in time, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. Being stuck indoors. Yeah. One of the things um, that I found out like relatively recently, I followed you on social media for a while and enjoyed your content, but found out relatively recently that one of the um, kind of triggers, I suppose, for getting so passionately involved in wildlife conservation and education was you went through a serious illness, didn't you? Yeah, I feel bad saying a serious illness, but it is a serious illness. No, it <laughs> um, is. <laughs> I know, Don't it was have, worse. You know, post it's the worse um, But yeah, yeah. Um, so when I was 20, yeah, 23, at the end of my first job in conservation, so I had already worked for the best part of a year. Yeah. Uh, towards the end of my contract, I just started feeling it a little bit weird. And long story short, I basically found a lump in my neck and had it all tested and it came back that I had the Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, which is a cancer of the lymphatic system. Um, yeah. Particularly common in young people. They think it's to do with like an overzealous immune system, basically 
yeah having a bit of a tantrum and starting trying to kill you instead of fix you um <laughs> so yeah, within the, ideal <laughs> yeah no so within the space of like a month or so this little lump on my neck went swole to the side it looked like i had a boiled egg under my skin it's really weird right um and i got my final diagnosis um i think about five days before my contract came to an end so it was like oh, that no. it was like that young 20s i'm skin um i'm gonna be either having to look for a job whilst undergoing chemotherapy because I, I knew i had to have six months of chemo or i was gotcha. just gonna have to take like unemployment and um you know survive which i did do um yeah yeah and i thought it would be a bit unfair to go to an employer and say oh hey i'm gonna be off once every other week <laughs> um so yeah. yeah so i just decided to take some time off work obviously i was just on um is it employment as portland so i didn't have a lot of spare cash so it was just kind of there's a lot of parallels to now um which is why i think i perhaps i'm feeling okay about this weird situation we're in in that um yeah. so i was at home a lot i was I had completely bucket load of free time on my hands. Free diary, yeah. Free diary. I was restricted in what I was supposed to be doing socially because um, my immune system, because yeah, of yeah. chemotherapy, was at zero. Compromised, yeah. Um, so it was like, what? how do I entertain myself? So obviously I already knew about the nature thing because I'd already worked in conservation for a bit and I did like it. But I thought, well, this is six months. And I started my chemo in the, at the very end of Feb, I think. So it was just coming into spring. It was like bingo time of year. So I thought, let's spend all my spare time outside. So I did. And I feel really bad in that. I don't actually see any of that time as being a bad or negative time. It was just, it was great. And, um, yeah. you know, it was kind of a weight off my shoulders. I didn't have to care about what I looked like <laughs> because I had no right. hair and I looked really weird. I was going to say, did you lose your hair? <laughs> yeah, I lost my, well, I, did, I probably wouldn't have lost it all, but I shaved it off because it was really painful, weirdly, but um right, I couldn't yeah. be bothered with a wig because I'm far too clumsy for that so I just kind of um there's some brilliant hijab tutorials on YouTube that I use to tie headscarves um great which is just yeah great just a bit of a, a style change right yeah it was really good really interesting to learn about and um yeah so I just took my camera got my binoculars went outside as many days as I could and just took photos of whatever I could find and then sat and researched it so that's when my Instagram yeah. changed from my personal "Here's me on a night out" to a nature one. Um, Great! And if you go back, it's really weird. You can see the change. It's like, ooh, really? Um, and yeah, and then just started like trickling into that. So, I mean, I'm, I don't count myself as a photographer at all because I've got no idea what I'm doing. I've got a camera that's like seven years old that I just point and shoot at things, and I mostly use my phone anyway. So I just I go much there. The same, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not to that so i just wanted to show people that you could see nature without loads of money loads of equipment well it's about observing isn't it it's just about taking the time to see things and yeah. to watch things and that's how you learn or that's how you get enjoyment from yeah. it i think isn't it yeah precisely but, and uh it was just such a positive time i volunteered a lot as well so i spent time uh doing bird surveys and um i did some volunteering in visitor centers like greeting people and running events and stuff and it was just really good just really yeah. good <laughs> And um, what would you say about, like, we're hearing more and more about, like, the power of nature to heal us and to help us and things. What What's your kind of views on nature therapy? Do you think that, you know, that kind of period definitely played a role in, in your recovery? A hundred percent. It's all anecdotal, isn't it? But, um, I mean, yeah. well, it's scientifically proven that connecting with nature benefits your health. But for me, this is highly anecdotal, so I can't say it's medical in any way. I had a completely zero depleted immune system for six months. And a lot of um, 
so I was connected obviously through excellent cancer charities like Macmillan and Click Sergeant um, to various peers that had the same illness yeah. and some of them had a bloody rough ride like all sorts of infections and all sorts of stuff and very germ phobic and very worried yeah. and I spent I mean my doctor was pulling his hair out he almost looked like me by the end because <laughs> um, yes. I'd you know I'd tell him what I've been up to and he was like you were out you in were, mud and getting were, cut by brambles and all sorts yeah of you were pond dipping <laughs> you know how many germs are in a pond <laughs> what is pond and dipping like, doesn't oh, sound as dirty as it yeah um yeah but I did not get a single infection I didn't get unwell aside from the fact I was unwell but like I didn't have to have any interventions which you'd typically expect um and I just felt like very mentally sound like obviously there were times I felt rubbish but it was just all that it like connecting with nature is pure I know mindfulness is a trendy word but it's pure mindfulness because you are connecting with other living organisms yeah Yeah. you're just you're doing that and you know and it's it's there's theories about it and then there's proven things where connecting with it helps you but like the biophilia hypothesis I find really interesting that we as a species have evolved to be close to nature because it benefits our chances of survival and yeah. that's why we get pleasure and fascination out of it um and that's where we evolved right yeah because i get that not everybody wants to go and like you know look at a fungus or poke a beetle or you know obsesses over a spider but ev doesn't everybody get excited with Edinburgh? yeah is there anybody who doesn't I, you know I'm like watching... that he's your idol right it's, yeah, yeah, he's the cliche, isn't he? Like, he's the one that when I was a kid growing up, you watch and, you yeah, know, it fed that fascination. And um, he's brilliant. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like, the, the sexy nature documentary with tigers and whales and dolphins and all that. Like, there's nobody on earth that if they came face to face with that beast, wouldn't find it just incredible. Totally. You know, yeah, it's a pure absolutely. thing inside everyone, I think. It is in our instinct, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And I think that connection that you've touched on between, you know, the mind and our physiology and, you know, being stressed and unwell and immersed in like our busy technology filled indoor uh, lives for yeah. a large part of society at this time. Yeah. It's just not like conducive to healing and being well, is it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's nicely yeah. put. <laughs> no, it was a great, great story. I was, um, I was surprised, but I'm fascinated to hear hear about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad it all worked out well. Thank you. Um, yeah. Moving on, then one of the things that happened earlier this year was um, the State of Nature report came out. Yes. And um, I know that yourself and myself and quite a few other, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to put myself in the young category anymore. <laughs> it's my birthday this Definitely. month and I'm, I'm feeling distinctly old. But, um, <laughs> you know, naturalists basically and conservationists on Instagram in particular when that report came out, I just sensed an overwhelming, not despondency, it's the wrong, kind of the opposite word, but like just pe- pe- people feeling overwhelmed and disappointed and just a little bit hopeless that the stats were so bad. And I'm not yeah. saying that pessimistically, but we're in a desperate situation when it comes to biodiversity and um, and the wellness of the earth, aren't we? Just a bit. Um, it is terrifying. It really is. And it can seem, I mean, you feel the pressure as well, working in conservation to always be this kind of optimist. <laughs> Upbeat, positive, like let's yeah. spread education. Like, yeah, you know, like, you yeah. know we, we can do this. And um, yeah, I am, pe- I, oh, if I'm being completely honest, I am very pessimistic a lot of the time and kind yeah. of just to like a, a well, you know, <laughs> it's the state. But I think I've seen a huge shift in the last few years in people's perception. And, you know, just even from, 
my very, very small little world of Instagram, um, when I first started, it was kind of just like an empty room, like not really talking to anyone. And yeah. now there's just new naturalists starting every day. Like every day there's, you know, I see a new follower that's like, you know, so-and-so wildlife or naturalist so-and-so or such a yeah. body loves nature. And <laughs> well, good news for you and me in our, uh, in our childhood selves. Um, I heard that bird watching is becoming um, the new sexy hobby for millennials. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's so sexy. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, lots of people are getting more interested in nature so maybe that's a benefit of, uh, of yeah. this weird time we're in where you know people have only an hour to get outdoors and engage with it Definitely. and they want to make the most of it um, thing is, we it hear is... it described a lot as eco-anxiety yes. and I think I would definitely um, subscribe to that theory like at times I do feel overwhelmed or like you say pessimistic and not wanting to be but just kind of thinking to be honest humans are shit and we're yeah. ruining everything. Yeah. Um, it's a hard thing to to overcome. Do you have any advice for people listening to kind of um, stop feeling that sense of being overwhelmed or to get involved or to do something or feel that they're making um, a difference? I would say, because it is difficult, what I find is it's kind of, um, it's like a chicken and egg, like self-perpetuating loop in that you're anxious mm. about nature so you go outside to connect with nature to feel better and then that reminds you that it's in trouble so then you feel anxious about nature so you go outside to connect with nature to feel better yeah. um cycle. it just never stops um i genuinely connected with nature it, to keep keep up the connection keep up the knowledge keep building the knowledge one thing yeah. i'm truly passionate for and i know people disagree with me on this one thing i'm truly passionate about is um that you need to understand at least a little bit about wildlife to affect change around it yeah. or, or more people do not everyone but more people do because if you don't understand what something is if you don't understand what something means then you do not give a crap if it's not there yeah. and you know I could go to the park at the end of my street nice enough park people play football in it you'll hear I'm going to use birds as the example you'll hear blackbirds robins wrens chaffinch maybe greenfinch maybe goldfinch stop listening birds um yeah. But yeah, and, no, you know, fine. the average person would go there in the morning and be like, oh, birdsong, oh, nature, oh, isn't it lovely? Whereas yeah. if you go to a woodland that is, you know, got a natural functioning ecosystem, you're going to hear all sorts. You're going to be you, blown away. You know, right? you go into the heathy ride and you might, you know, if you go late at night, you might hear a night jar and you get up in the morning and, you know, the yeah. cuckoos go in, there's, there's tree pipits, you go into the woodland rides and there's, there's red starts and... You know, there's pied flycatchers and wood warbler and all of these things that people just don't even know exist and that they're missing. You know, they declined of 60, 70, 80, 90, 95% in the UK and people don't even yeah. know of their concept of existence. Well, this is the uh, the shifting baseline syndrome, isn't it? Yes. Where, yeah. You know, people who don't know anything about nature now kind of experience it and think that's normal, that's what, what where we are and there's yeah. no problem. Yeah. And people like us maybe kind of thinking, no, there should be more. And yeah. our parents' generation thinking what they had was normal, but actually it was severely depleted by agriculture, yeah. you know, back then. So, yeah, we're getting um, getting more and more disconnected with time, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, and I um, think the, the way to kind of handle it is not, I'm not going to say anything sickly and like, you know, just stay positive and believe and, and all that. Because if we just stay positive, nothing's going to happen. We need to harness our outrage to collectively and work together yeah. to channel that outrage to make change 
because it is outrageous. Yeah. It's infuriating and it is an absolute travesty what is happening. So it's not yeah. about just being all fluffy and positive, like, oh, spread the love. It's about, no, we need to like kick ass and change stuff because it, it can be changed. It can be turned yeah. around if we drastically change. And that's what I was saying when I said I was morbidly positive about this situation with the lockdown and with the coronavirus, as much as it's terrifying and there's massive human tragedy and it's really, really scary, it's also fascinating to see just how big of a shift in behaviour we can actually achieve if we need to. That's it, yeah. Now I, hope, know. I hope it does change things afterwards and we don't just yeah. all get Because everyone for years is just like, oh, no, we're going to keep, you know, global warming, we've got to, you know, cut the emissions, but it's just not happening. And like that, boom, no one's going on holiday anymore. Nobody's travelling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it's whether it's whether climate change and those kind of things are as important to people that's afterwards. Thing. I think, and that's why we need to educate people. Yeah. So, what would you encourage people to do? Do you think like signing up with your local kind of wildlife groups or wildlife trusts, or just getting yeah. active conservation in your in your area is a good thing? Yep, yeah, supporting obviously supporting groups that can lobby for change because it's not just. Yeah. You know, you can say the same old trope, putting a, be- a bird feeder in your garden, but that's not going to reform the way. That's not going to overhaul our relationship with the land. And that's what's fundamentally sick here is our relationship with the land and yeah. the wildlife that lives in it. So we need to influence from the top down and we need to influence policy. Um, and we also just need to influence attitude because one of the most infuriating things <laughs> that drives me mad is just our... Um, hostility towards it yeah you know the tidiness bug the obsessive the manicured lawns the cut hedges an astroturf lawns yeah i saw a fake lawn the other day and i had to take a sneaky like under the arm picture of it i was like what is that because it's just the worst thing i mean it sounds like i'm being judgmental but it's just a symptom of just this mindset that people have and I'm not I trying to blame and get angry. There's my, there's my line. <laughs> yeah. on, I used to be a garden designer. Um, yeah. I had my own garden business when I was a vet student. But um, if someone asked me to put in a, an, an astroturf lawn, it would just be the end of the relationship, I think. Yeah, that's the <laughs> It's thing. the worst. It's putting more plastic, to, like, you know, manufacturing more plastic yeah. to put into the environment. Yeah. To if you want to be the, lazy with your garden, just let the weeds go mad. And let's not even talk about the concept of weeds, but just let your... No. In inverted commas, weeds go mad. That's lazy. That's as easy as Wildflowers, Lucy. Wildflowers. And it's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> that is. And it's beautiful. And you don't need to do anything with it. Yeah. Or just have a lawn and don't mow it. Yeah. We're in no mow May now. Yes. Yes. Which is brilliant. Yeah. Which is brilliant. So, yeah. So, changing our attitudes in that way, in real ways that can help wildlife. Yeah. And, yeah. So, definitely. bottom up, top down both. And just Good stuff. sticking at it. <laughs> <laughs> Great advice. So at the moment, uh, you're filming an o- ongoing stuff for Nina's Wild World series, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Anything else exciting to announce or what's next in the pipeline? Cracking on nailing the comms role, yeah. Oh, well, this will be too late by the time this goes out, but I'm co-hosting Sophie Pav's Nature Quiz for Fox Are you? Sake. Oh, brilliant. Yes. She's like the highlight <laughs> of my week. I'm loving so. her sense of humour. I think I'm going to have her on soon. <laughs> She's so um, good yeah it's very funny right well look i'm going to end on um do you have any um social media accounts that you highly recommend people uh, follow oh that's a good question well aside from yours i'll have to say yours um oh thanks (laughs) um ah, he's going to be sick to death of me talking about him so there's a young naturalist called indy 
um, Indie yes. Green, who or Green Indie is his um, Instagram name, Green with E, who's only 14 years old and he is just a nature superstar. Um, yeah. In fact, hang on, can I do that bit again? Sure. I probably shouldn't say he's 14, should I? Safeguarding. <laughs> I think it's fine. But yeah, just say young naturalist. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So um, an Instagram account that I always go on about and a brilliant young naturalist is Green Indie or Indie Green. Um, green with an E. And it's green with an E, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, he's just a young lad who's a fantastic ornithologist, first and foremost. He's just a, a kid that's grown up with a, an amazing natural passion for birds, self-taught, just knows the landscape and the birds in it like better than the back of his hand I reckon and um, can pick anything out by sound and he's just a great little nest finder and bird watcher and his garden list is something sickeningly good so yeah indie oh no <laughs> you're being um, beaten by a teenager yeah who else um oh somebody that I found recently that I just love is um Christina Sinclair oh, who is um a naturalist in Scotland I'm not exactly sure even where she lives her username is Christina Sinclair twenty two, and she yeah. is a um, what did I say? Marine biologist, marine specialist, and yeah. she's been doing virtual rock pooling during lockdown because she lives next to the beach and she just goes out and finds stuff in oh, rock cool. pools, and it's okay. just brilliant. Um, Definitely going to look that up. Highly entertaining <laughs> stories. Um, also in Scotland, I really like Pink Footed Gus, um, who's a brilliant new naturalist who's studying yeah. kind of countryside management and ecology and he's just got a really good way in calmly explaining very complex land use issues to do with um overgrazing and um population problems things like deer and upland the whole political thing around uplands but he can't he explains it in a really calm way on his insta great yeah. i will i will look those up well lucy it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you Thank you. Um, I've had your uh, Twitter feed open here beside me and I just took a little scroll through it and I've been morbidly uh, watching uh, Lesser Blackback Gull follow <laughs> Duckling Hole on there. So for more amazing <laughs> videos and uh, wildlife content like that, um, do follow Lucy Lapwing on your social media of choice. Lucy, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Sean. Lovely to speak to you. And I'll speak to you soon, yeah? Yes. Goodbye. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sean's Wildlife Podcast with myself, Sean McCormick, produced and edited by Thomas Dinas. If you're enjoying the series so far, I would really appreciate it if you consider donating to our Patreon link below. That will really help us out with producing the podcast and covering the costs involved. See you next episode. Mm-hmm.